We didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. And welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond that was recently selected by Feedspot as one of the top 25 programs on the afterlife. I am your host, Nicole Strickland, on the WLTKDB network. That's WLTKDB.com or the letstalk.com. You can sign in there right on the main website, get in the chat room there through Facebook, do whatever you need to do. It's also uh, streaming live on Facebook on uh, the Afterlife Chronicles Facebook page at Afterlife Chronicles and beyond. Hope you're doing well tonight. You know, we've been MIA the last few weeks. I, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, but we're back. So happy to be back. And I'm really excited for tonight's guest, Rocky Smith, lifelong resident of Oregon City, local historian, paranormal investigator. He also founded the fabulous Northwest Ghost Tours and Haunted Oregon City and is the director of the very quick growing Oregon Ghost Conference. Rocky, thank you so much for joining me tonight. How are you? I'm so good. I'm excited to talk to you. And we talked actually more in the last, what, 10 minutes than we have probably in a couple of years. So <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I think, yeah, the last time I think we saw each other was the Preston Castle Paracon a couple yes. of years ago, I think oh, it was. I know. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. I had a huge experience there. Massive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe we can get into that for sure. I mean, we can get into it right now if you want. But that place, you know, it's funny. When I first went there, like, I remember I had this visceral reaction where I just, and I hadn't even stepped on the premises yet, but I, like, went up to the gate and, like, and this was my first time there, and I just started crying. Like, I just started crying, and that's, like, so unusual for me, so... Well, I just remember, like, so my, that was my, that was my first time there, and, um, just driving up the driveway and, and yeah. trees, and it was like, wow. I mean, you're just going into a different place and a different time. And um, then once you get into the building, it's just, it's overwhelming. In fact, you know, this, this, I, I had an opportunity, I think, to go back the second night for the late night investigation. And I didn't um, because, and it wasn't that I didn't want to mm-hmm. go. 
I was so exhausted and drained yeah. from it. Um, and I, I really would love to go back to that building, but um, it was, it was a lot. It, it is a lot. It is all. There's a lot of energy in there. And I remember, I think if I remember correctly, the first night I was in your group and you were having a very profound experience. And it is, it, it really, there's just a mix of emotions there. And it, it's for someone who's sensitive, even, even if for someone who isn't that sensitive, it, it'll hit you for sure. We were in kind of the um, hospital ward or the, the, what, I don't know what the room's called. But yeah. Kind of a, yeah. Um, yeah. I was insane. Uh, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I mean there's so much I mean oh my goodness, and we only have an hour and there's so much we can get into, but you know, one reason I admire you, I mean you do so much. Like you wear so many different hats and you do it so well, but one reason I admire you is your love of history and you really like bring that to life with these uh places. So so when did you discover your love of history? Was it always like with you ever since like you were a child or well, you know, and and, and I guess my start of it was was so focused on local history is really mm-hmm. um, and so I live in Oregon City, which a lot of people know. Oregon City is the um end of the Oregon Trail. It was the capital of the Oregon Territory. Um so I grew up in Oregon City and, you know, kind of like when you do in a small town or any town, you think, well, you know, why does anyone want to live here? Um, and, you know, maybe someday I'll get out of this town kind of thing. And um, in high school, I got a job working for the, um, the Chamber of Commerce. And um, I actually realized that the city was coming on this big celebration upon this big celebration. It was going to be um, celebrating uh, the 150th year of the Oregon Trail. Um, and the city wasn't prepared for these tourists to come. I mean, people, the city wasn't prepared for, to be a tourist destination, really, at that right. time. The museum that was being built wasn't open yet. Um, and as an artist and as a graphic design student as in high school, um, and one that really didn't have a job, um, I started creating t-shirts and, and tourism souvenirs, basically, for people coming into town. And I really started learning about the history of my city. Um, and once I discovered the incredible city that this place had, um, I couldn't stop. And um, I started working in museums. I started working in um, historic places throughout the city and researching things in college. Um, and it turned out that most every place that I worked was haunted. Um, so it was the it was the history interest of the local you know local history that got me interested in the paranormal because um, people would come into these places and want to know the stories. And to me, the ghost stories were interesting, but it wasn't that interesting until I could really connect it with the history. And and for me, it was like, you know having an experience or telling a story, we all hear these ghost stories like, oh, I saw a shadow. Well, okay. Um, but if we can yeah. tell who that shadow is and that person has been seen and described by people in different time periods and it's the same person that lived there 150 years ago um, and you can start connecting the dots to maybe this is a real person or was a real person, that's... Um, really hard not to be interested in it and and try to oh my gosh causing that 
Um, and yeah. for me, I was really, you know, the my tours are so history-based because, you know, it's one thing to tell a ghost story, but if, if someone can really grasp the fact that you're standing in a place where these people maybe are still there um, in some way um, and still connected with the town, and it's a way to, you know, really have people connect in history uh, with history in a way that, you know, sometimes, you know, as a teacher, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a certain way of teaching things and, 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 you know, you know, whether students find it boring or whether your audience finds it boring. And so if you can realize that, okay, if I tell the story this way, it's boring. If I tell the story this way, it really grasps people. And, and, and so, you know, I'll tell the same stories on my tours 50, 60 times, but every time someone's on my tour, it's a different story or it's a different perception of it or a different take on it. Um, and I think that's what draws people to it. And, it, and it's, it's one of those things where I just can't stop. Like, I just want to learn more and I just want to keep doing it. Um, and it never gets old. Right. It, it's a passion. And it, yeah. I think studying, you know, and, and being able to connect the dots. I, I've always say that history and the paranormal are like best friends with a dear kinship. You really can't have one without the other. And it, it, it makes both fields so much more compelling because they both feed off of each other. And I've actually been on one of your tours in Oregon City. Yes. I mean, I visited Oregon yeah. City very first time I went to the conference, fell in yeah. love. It's, it's such a great city. And you're a very compelling tour guide in the way that you relay the stories. You make them come to life. You give them value. And so people like that. Well, so, I, um, you know, we've all been on tours before. I've been on tours a lot. And you can tell the difference between someone who is doing a tour that's reading a script and someone who really... Um, really cares about the place or, or, right. or really is connected to the place. And you know this from, from your work at the um, Queen Mary. And, and that's another thing that we kind of hit off right off the bat. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and when we started talking about that and going off to other things, I think, um, you know, you can just see who was really excited about those kind of experiences and, and, and really is invested in the time that it takes to research this stuff, because it's kind of like going on a paranormal investigation you know, this research, um, you know, the history research is just as much work as paranormal investigation. And it's not that exciting, you know, but you could work 10 hours and find one story and you're like, it's totally worth it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's just amazing, you know? Right. So, I mean, um, it's, and being able to like connect because, you know, we've done a lot of history or we do tours at the Adobe here in the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe right. I've talked about. And we've actually been able to somewhat verify through some paranormal evidence and personal experiences, aspects that actually correlate to historical records. And that's when that happens, it's just, right. oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. Well, and, it's getting and so, I mean, you've probably you've done a lot of work at the Irma Tinger house. Right. A ton. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's getting easier, too, to do that research, because when, you know, remember, we used to go to the, well, I assume you remember, <laughs> go to the library, you know, and look for newspaper articles and searching for things. I mean, no wonder people didn't find this stuff. I mean, it was horrible. Um, and so many of our local historic newspapers are being digitized. 
And we're mm-hmm. finding, you know, we're finding newspaper articles in history of stories that no one's talked about in a hundred years because it just wasn't easily accessible. Um, and I think that's really what's I've been finding um, really interesting lately. I'm just archiving all these newspaper articles to add to my tours. I've got hundreds of stories that I haven't even told people. Um, oh my goodness! Incredible, you know. So wow. That's what's I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a passion you can tell. And so, speaking of your tours, how many do you offer in Oregon City now? I've created well now is a relative. Well, I mean, like <laughs> let's say prior to the pandemic prior and post pandemic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I I started in Oregon City with one um, two hour tour um, years ago. And um, by the end of a year or two, that two hour tour was like a three hour tour. And then I was like, you know what? People aren't going to walk around in Oregon City for four hours with me. So then I had to break it into two tours. So now I have four different two hour tours of Oregon City. And, you know, it's not a very huge city. Um, and but we have several neighborhoods. So I do four different two hour tours. And I still don't feel like I can tell all the stories in those tours. Um, right. I'm hoping to start tours back up this spring. So, you know, hopefully in a couple months, I'm doing tours for the first time in a while, you know, over the seaside weekend. Um, and, um, you know, we'll kind of require everyone to wear masks and stay apart and it'll all be outside. But, um, you know, so I am going to hopefully start doing tours um, end of spring into summer in Oregon City again. That's good. Things getting back to normal. I know we haven't been able to do tours for like a year or so, I think since last March. One thing I want to talk to you about, because it's a huge part of your history, is the Irma Tinker House. Yes. And, like, your connection with that. And you've had, like, so many different experiences there. That's, like, a pretty, I mean, that's uh, almost to San Diego, like the Hotel Delos or the Whaley Houses to San Diego. I would say that 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 is to Oregon City in many respects. Yeah. I mean, Oregon City has, you know, several historic homes that are also haunted and have a fair share of history. I think most of the people in Oregon City think in Oregon think of the McLaughlin House first. Um, but the Ermatinger House was actually built before the McLaughlin House and um, has a unique history in itself. It was um, uh, built by the Hudson Bay Company um, and um, Francis Ermatinger worked for the Hudson Bay Company and McLaughlin and um, kind of ran the Hudson Bay Company store here. Um, but I started working in the house um, for the city of Oregon City back in high school. And this was at the time that I really started getting into history and people were coming into the city, 1994, 95. And um, the city was neglecting the house badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so irritated by it. And I, you know, as a high school college student, didn't have a whole lot of um sway um in terms of getting the the city to step up and take care of the house um and so i kind of fought that battle for kind of you know quite a long time um and um, i got very involved in the city in other different ways and had other concerns and actually it's one of the reasons that led me to run for city commission in oregon city was because of the the issues with the house but also because of other things that i was really concerned about at the city level um, and so once I got into, uh, once I got elected to the city commission, um, you know, we kind of made the house, um, the house is owned by the city. And, and so mm-hmm. the city kind of expects 
historic owners of historic buildings to keep up their buildings. And right. we, we owned the oldest house essentially in the city and we're neglecting it. And, um, you know, it, it dumbfounded me that the city was operating at a different standard than they expected um, other people in the city to follow. And so um, it was a long process and it's, it ended up through grants and funding through the city and county and, and um, various other areas. Um, over $600,000, more than that, um, to save the house. Um, but it is, it was a 20-year period um, that took me really to, to save that house. It's saved, it's beautiful, um, it's restored, it's open to the public. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's an important place, you know, and you, it, it's kind of like what we talked about with Preston Castle. You know, people kind of say, well, Rocky really cares about the Ermatinger house. Okay, yeah, you know, and it's kind of like that. It's kind of like someone saying, well, you know, Nicole kind of cares about the um, Queen Mary, you know? Right. Um, yeah. They don't get it. I mean, people don't get the connection. Um, and it really came down to not just saving a historic building, but it came down to if that historic building is gone, your story is gone. And right. Story Absolutely. Is gone, then the entire story of this place is gone. And I cannot let that happen. I made a promise to the spirits in that house that I would tell their story and that I would take care of that house as best I can. And I will do it until I die um, because it takes a lot of work to save historic places. And there's gonna have to be someone 30 years from now that does it again. Um, and that's just an ongoing thing. Um, and people don't realize how important it is. They think, well, it's just a building. We can rebuild it. We can. Do yeah. It. They just not, don't understand. They're yeah. not on that same right. thought level. They don't get it from an emotional you know, perspective. So once you can get people into the building and you can tell what this building means to you, people get it. You know, people do get it at some point. Um, and they, you know, sometimes it takes them having their own experience with it before they really understand it. And that's actually a way to maybe, you know, uh, I guess, sway people that, that don't automatically have that connection. You can then link it by, you know, having, once they have their own experience, then they kind of understand more of like where you're coming from. And it's, it's some about the experience. Before the pandemic, I was doing a, a weekly series at the White Eagle, which is one of the most haunted places in Portland, the White Eagle Saloon. I heard about and, that. Yep. Uh, it was such a fun experience and I was, I would do a talk um, spirits of Stumptown kind of series. Um, and then I would take people through the white Eagle saloon as a tour, but you know, you walk through these buildings and you see the photographs on the wall from when the building was built, you know, in the 1900s, late 19, you know, mid 1900s. And you look and you say, okay, well that, that um, display case, that's the same display case. that's in this photograph. Right. Um, you know, the tile floor that's there, it's the same. Um, and, and, and when people can really clue into that and realize, I mean, it really takes you back. I mean, it really takes you back in time. And I, I think that was one of my first really things that hit me when I went to the Queen Mary the first time. You know, I walked in, um, it was just silent. You know, there was not really anyone around. And, you just felt like I'm in a different time and there was music playing, you know, from the, the time. And 
it was just like you were in a movie, you know? And I honestly walked around because I don't know why it was not so busy that the time that I was there, I walked around the whole ship. There was hardly anyone around. No one really said anything. And there was a door open to the ballroom and I kind of peered into the doorway and, you know, this is right out of a movie, right? I look into the doorway of the, the, the big ballroom there, and there's a guy, like, buffing the floor. It's like 11 o'clock at night, you know? He's buffing the floor, and he's like, oh, come on in. You know, I walk around, look around. I mean, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's such a connection to the place, and it was just like, you know, we want to share this place, too. We want to, you know... We, we love the history and want to share it. So um, Absolutely. And hold that thought because we have to take a yeah. two-minute break and we'll come back in two minutes. You're listening to The Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond with uh, my guest tonight, Rocky Smith, director of the Oregon Ghost Conference. And we'll be right back. Stay tuned, guys. Others say it. We prove it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Maggie Reiki is a full-service Reiki therapy center offering both in-person and distance Reiki sessions. Reiki is a gentle healing energy that can assist in clearing, repairing, and maintaining energy that is vital for optimal health. Reiki can also assist with anxiety, depression, and even addiction. You can schedule a Reiki session by visiting our website, www.mackeyreiki.com. That's www.m-a-c-k-e-y-r-e-i-k-i.com. Patreon is a place for creators. We're one of them. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash WLTKDB. Check out all the unique support tiers we offer. You can get early release episodes, station mugs and t-shirts, free station service work, and much more. Help the station reach its $1,000 per month goal to make our station totally ad-free. Patreon.com slash WLTKDB. We appreciate your support. Twenty-one minutes past the hour, you are tuning into the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond. I am your host, Nicole Strickland. If you're now joining us, you can tune in right there at www.wltkdb.com or the Let's Talk.com. You can join the chat room right there on the main page. And so tonight's guest is none other than Rocky Smith, director of the Oregon Ghost Conference local Oregon City historian, paranormal investigator extraordinaire, founder of Northwest Ghost Tours and Haunted Oregon City. And I'm so excited to be talking with him. It's funny because I haven't seen him in two years since we were last at the Preston Castle. And like you said, we've been talking more in the last 20 minutes than we probably have in two years. But thank you so much for joining me tonight. Before the break, you know, you were mentioning one of my favorite places, the Queen Mary, of course. I mean, hello, like pretty much everyone knows my love for the ship. And it's so when you said that you were there at 11 p.m. and you were looking, I presume it was probably the Queen's Salon, maybe, or the Royal Salon. And someone was buffering the floor with modern equipment. It's like, you know, it's so crazy. And and (laughs) the the thing that weirded me out. Nicole about the whole thing it was 
seemed like everyone, and this was years ago, you know, but my first time there, it seemed like everyone was a movie character. Right. Like, it right. seemed like they were all um, like um, playing parts. Um, and then I thought, well, wow, you know, when I go on the ghost tour, I can't wait to see the character that leads the ghost tour. And it was the most normal person. You're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Totally. Um, it's it's just, so funny. It's such a great, it's such a great, I really want to go back. Um, I'll go oh, back. yeah. I was down in California a couple of years ago and we did the, you know, um, um, Winchester house and all that again. I think actually when we were at Preston Castle, we drove over there and did that too during that time. Right. I wanted to meet up with you guys then, but I was still like about five hours out. So, but yeah, that's, that's a, a fabulous house. Uh, Todd uh, Bates and I were just on his show, Haunted Voices. We interviewed a guest that uh, she was she really connected to the Winchester house. She actually lived there when she was a child and her, her family were the caretakers there. So that was a really cool uh very very cool conversation but you know it's like when when you see like you were referencing like um the example of the photo on the wall it's like when you see historical photos and then you might see um an artifact that's like right there in the present that was actually in one of the photographs i mean how can you not get passionate about that i mean it's like i i I, you know it's like i how can you not you know it's crazy but some people just don't have, you know, I see it too on the Queen Mary, like I'll, I'll walk around and I can always tell, all right, that person gets it, that person's interested in the history, that person's clueless, you know, I mean, you know, throwing cigarette butts out on the deck and whatnot. But anyways, that's a whole nother story. But so, but yeah, history does have a definite connection to paranormal events and, and, and the other way around. I mean, you're so adept at doing a lot of this historical research. How would you recommend someone who's maybe new to historical research and or new to paranormal research? How would you recommend them to go about historically researching a place? And I know that there's, you know, some differences between like maybe a business or a, or a private home versus like an actual historical site. Yeah, I, I think people tend to complicate it more than than it is. I mean, um, true, you know. Um, so I think it depends on what you're looking for. Um, right. If if it's a specific house, you know, you go to the city or the county or whatever, and, and most cities or counties will have a register of historic places. You know, obviously, you won't be able to do that for new buildings, but there's several layers to it. If it's a building that's old that you know that it was built a hundred years ago, there's a chance there's some sort of registry that, that documents some of those buildings. And so you can go to the County and you can look that up. And sometimes it'll be, you know, usually, or, or the city itself, there'll be an inventory form that will say, okay, here's this house and it will give a little history. Um, and most of that can be done online. Now um, the problem is, is what happens when you're, investigating a place where a house used to be or keep in mind the house that you're investigating and researching may have been moved for instance right exactly you know the Irma Tinger house so you can't always assume that oh this house was built here um it gets a little more complicated and so then you have to start looking at well okay if this house moved um what's there now 
And then you can start going into like the Sanborn maps, which are the old fire insurance maps that cities would have that would show footprints of where buildings were. And you can kind of say, okay, well, this building shape was the same. And you could kind of say, well, then 10 years later, there was an addition, or you can say, well, it's a totally different building. Um, so those are little things that can start helping you because you can't even rely on addresses really, because for instance, like the um, White Eagle that we were talking about, um, it was built as a one-story building, and then they added the second story later, and so there's an address that is like a half address for the upstairs and different things like that, and you also have to kind of look at old maps because the street names can change. Um, exactly. In Portland, a lot of the street names, you'll get some solid streets that are the same, but some streets change. So it's kind of, once you do it, you kind of know the things to look for um, and it gets a little easier. Once you get a name of someone that lived there, then you can start doing newspaper archives and you can start going into um, obituaries and, and everything. Um, and there's a lot of things that people don't think about. One of the great resources that people don't think about is just basic high school yearbooks. Um, That's so true. Yes. Back to a yearbook or you go to like if I go up to Oregon City High School, they have every yearbook going back to 1920s. So you have every single person that's ever gone through that school where you can find their name. But it also in the yearbooks has photographs of the town from those time periods that people wouldn't normally look for. Um, so little things like that over time that you start picking up on. And, and it's not any one place that you're going to find the information. It's it's going to be compounded and it's going to be, I find this little bit and that leads me to this and that leads me to this. And so um, actually I'm going to teach a class um, at the ghost conference just about that and try to walk through some of those processes and how people can go about um, researching a haunted place or just a regular historic place that they want to know more information about. Yeah, I definitely want to take that class. I just saw it posted the other night. And, you know, sometimes there's our, obviously archivists that can help, but it's like you said, once you find a little, a little uh, piece of nugget, you know, that can lead you, you know, down the road and then you can find, it's just kind of like being able to navigate everything. Sometimes um, you do a whole bunch of stuff that you weren't looking for, but you still find cool anyway. And it's right. a whole different place, but that's right. One thing I, you know, before the break, I wanted to ask, you know, with all your, your work at the Irma Tinger house and of course other places as well, but specifically the Irma Tinger house, have you found that the, the general spiritual energy has changed since your, devotion yeah. to to helping that home because i would imagine yeah. it, it would and and how how would you describe that as a, like how as opposed to how it was before <laughs> if that makes you know yeah it's gonna be an emotional answer for me um i'll tell you um only whatever you want to you know yeah. you know, i mean um, i don't want to like cause you like stress or anything but no, whatever it, you feel it, free to, um, to answer it just, it, it hits me hard because it was such a long pro process in fi fixing that house. And honestly, I made a promise to the spirits and I said, I will get this house. And I, I promised that. Um, and so I had no choice. I kept it after it until it was done. Um, and, and what was really interesting because of the entire time that it took, you know, it didn't take 20 years to, to restore the house. It took 20 years to start the process. It took about 10 years really that the house was closed to, to, to fix it. Um, 
And so in that 10 year period, I wasn't able to go in the house. And um, in one of the times during the construction, I was allowed to go in the house and there was so much going on. And that was one of the first questions that, you know, William or other friends of mine asked me is, you know, what, what do you think? Does it still feel the same? Are they still there? And I said, you know, I, I can't tell because mm-hmm. there was so much chaos going on. And, and the last thing I was focused on was that because the house, I was like looking at the plans and figuring that out. So um, as the house started to get closer to its grand opening, um, you know, I took a journey into the house and um, I walked around the house with some city staff people and I made a comment that was something along the lines of, I don't feel that they're here right now or something like that. It was a general comment um, that ended up being put in the newspaper, basically saying, well, Rocky thinks it's not haunted anymore. Well, Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness. And I was like, well, okay, that's not exactly what I meant. Um, right. Right. Exactly. You would go into the house and you would feel a presence occasionally. And sometimes that was a good thing. And sometimes it was a bad thing, but the house was very active when the spirits weren't happy and the house was not being taken care of. So now if you look at the house is redone and taken care of, and I fulfilled my promise to them, there shouldn't be a whole lot of angst. Um, and, and so when I went into the house, it was peaceful and I didn't feel like there was anything, you know, kind of out of place and, and, and I didn't feel a lot. Well, the first time we did a tour in the house, um, this was actually very emotional because it was me and William. We went into the house, William Becker, friend of mine in Oregon city, Yes. Went into the house and we were doing a tour with this first group that had gone through kind of the first time we'd done sort of a ghost tour of the house. Mm-hmm. And um, we're downstairs in the dining room and we heard footsteps upstairs and um, no one had gone upstairs yet. And, um, and I said, you know, I said, they're still here. And um, William said, okay, mm-hmm. you want to go up there? And I, I, so I went upstairs and it was kind of like at the Preston Castle where I ran into that little boy at Preston Castle where yes. I said, okay, I have to go up there and talk to her in the Irma Tinger house. It's a little girl and kind of, you know, take my own time before the group goes up there. Um, and I really get emotional about it because they're there. And they know that we're there. They know that we have done, they know I've done my job. They know that I fulfilled my promise. And um, yeah, so I, 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 that doesn't mean things are going to fly around the house. It doesn't mean (laughs) that doors are going to slam. It means that um, the house is the way it should be right now. And they're there. um, And um, it doesn't have to be, a scary thing or things moving around for people to say, well, they're still there. It's, they're still there. You can feel it. Um, And I, you know, to me, the fact that they're enjoying the place that the house is at now um, makes me feel like it was all worth it. Absolutely. And, you know, this is, this whole example goes to show this is, this is the, in my opinion, the core of, of paranormal research here. This is, this is the core being able to connect with those that walk the land before us, being able to connect with spiritual energies and have that rapport. That's what it's about. It's, it's not just about, you know, going in and capturing an EVP or getting a fantastic photo. It, that, that's, 
significant, but yet it's insignificant. What's important is that rapport. And in and, and, and hearing you relay this experience, it just it, it literally warms my heart so much because we need more of this, you know? You know, and not to simplify it, but at the time, I mean, I was hired to do two things. I was hired to tell people the story of the house and about these people that lived there, right? Um, And I was supposed to take care of the house. And, you know, from the first day, I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill that promise. And um, because honestly, the house was most active and things were the most scary really in the house when people were not taking care of it. And, and, you know, if you, if this was your house and people were neglecting it, well, yeah, you would be irritated by it. Exactly. Uh, And, and so, you know, I made that promise the first day kind of as a self-protection because I didn't know what I was walking into, but I basically said, Hey, you know, be nice to me. I promise I'll, you know, be nice to this place. I'll save this place. I'll work on it. I'll tell your story. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm still doing it because I, I felt like I have to do this. Right. Um, I mean, and it's, I would rather have a place be not as active and be completely at peace with the way things are than the other way around. Because the other way around, if you look at it, then that's, in a way, it's exploitation. We're going in there and we're, we're wanting to have these experiences at the expense of these spirits. And that's not okay in my book. And that's, you know, this is a whole goal. I don't mean for this to go down in, a, in another direction, but it's one of those thorns in my side all the time that, you know, people do that in this field. And it's, you know, it, energies aren't here for our amusement, you know? And so yeah. when I hear you talk about your devotion to this historical house and, and hearing how the spiritual energy is thanking you and appreciative and, and how it's more at peace that, that I can't tell you like the warmth I feel right now. It's, it's so important. So well, and I think, you know, part of the people ask me, what, what is a ghost? What do you think a ghost is? I don't mm-hmm. know. I, you know, right. that's <laughs> not my job. Um, right. I, Right. I, you know, a lot of paranormal investigators, and you know, we all have our different niches and, and things that we're focused on. You know, I've I like going on investigations. I'm interested in it. That's not what I want to do as a job. That's not that's not mm-hmm. something that I find. You know, I find it fun, interesting. Um, but to me, it's like it's not my job to determine what it is or who it is. I mean, it is in some history, but 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 I'm not trying to ghost hunt or 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 bust or 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 um, try to even define it. I'm just trying to say, here's my experiences, here's your experiences, here's the history I know, connect it all together, and you leave this tour at the end of the night. And you decide what you think it is, because I will present a pretty good case that something is happening here. Um, and these stories are important, um, but it's up to us to really take our own perceptions and, and try to translate that. And, and, and so to me, that's the simple way of I'm telling the stories of these people from the past in the most respectful possible way I can. And if I'm in a place with a tour group, and I think this probably happened on the night that you're on our tour, if we go into a place and something starts happening, I'm opening the group to that, you know, and I'm opening myself. I have a connection with these places. If I feel things are starting to go south, I say, well, you know, we, we're going to leave now. 
um, because this is their place. And, Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. I, I have a reputation to and, a, and a, a, a trust with the spirits in these places that if they don't want me there, I won't be there. And that's why typically sometimes um, in the Ermatinger house or even in the places that I go on tours, I'll go off by myself before I'll take a group there to have a conversation with the space and with who's there to say, this is what we're doing. This is how I'm going to do it. If at all during this time, there's a problem, you know, this is your space. Um, and if we expect them to do that for us when we go home, like we like to say, well, okay, we've had our fun here and now we want to go home and sleep, but don't follow us home ghosts. We can't expect them to follow that if we don't, you know, if we don't respect their space. So this idea of going in and just stirring stuff up for the fun of it and saying, well, you know, that's so disrespectful. Um, it's disrespectful to the history of the place. It's disrespectful to the, the spirits that lived there in the past. Um, I just, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, um, I don't either. And we do the same thing too. I mean, going in and, and, and having that initial conversation to kind of set the tone and let them know like what our intent is. And so, I mean, everything you're saying is, is, is so, it hits the mark on so many levels. And it's, you know, when I first started investigating, I was really excited about the whole investigation process. And yes, I do still conduct them. But I've I've moved on beyond that, and it's almost like I'm I'm almost ambivalent now whether I want to conduct an investigation per se because of the same reasons. You know, it's it's more of the what's more important to me is is the connection. What what's beyond that? You know, the connection. So this is hitting the mark on so many levels. A lot of times, you know, we use the word investigation. It's like, that means we're going to lug all this equipment and flashing lights and all this stuff. I, you know, do I have some equipment that I'll take with me? Yeah. But I'm better mm -hmm. off just walking around the place with nothing. Absolutely. And, totally. And, just, and you've seen this, you know, when you walk into a place, I mean, it just hits you. You don't need, you don't need the uh, paranormal equipment for that. If you're really tapped into the place that you're at. And if you have, built a relationship and a respect for the place it's going to happen because right. they're going to they're going to feel comfortable with you and and like in Preston Castle that little boy was standing next to me and it, what what you know I was reluctant to say anything about the little boy standing next to me because as soon as I did everyone came like you know with their equipment and I'm like get away Yes. Right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I remember I left the room because I didn't want that little spirit of that little boy to be stuck with all these, you know, you know, um, lights and, and equipment. And he was comfortable being with me. And so we walked out of that room. We walked up the stairs and I don't know if you remember this, but I walked up the stairs and William was sitting on the bench up and the next level of Preston castle. He didn't know that the experience that we were having and I was having, and I walked up the stairs and as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, he said, who's the little boy with you? I so remember that. And I, I, yeah, like, I remember. Okay, yes. Okay, so I guess he is with me. I guess I'm, I, you know, I guess I'm aware that he's there and, and that someone else knows he is too. And that's happened to me a lot because I don't see that. I feel it. Mm -hmm. um, for example, in press in, in um, the Queen Mary, I was in the, um, you know, changing room behind the pool, you know, yes. little stalls. Yes. And I was by myself 
and I was in one of the stalls in the change room. There was a couple across the way from me in another stall. And you know where I'm talking about. Yeah, it's the women's um, changing room. Yeah. And it's super dark in there. And I felt someone next to me. And I felt like it was a little girl. And um, that was my first time there. We walked out of the pool air into the pool area and these two people standing across from me they said rock well they don't think they even knew my name at the time but they said you know we there was a little girl standing by you did you know that and I said well yeah I did I I mean I didn't see her but and then I think we found out that that's Jackie is that her name yeah there's actually there's several but that to me the the based on your describing that that would probably be Jackie and she's she tends to gravitate to people right away that she's comfortable with. Right. So that makes complete sense. Yep. So, I mean, oh, this is such a fantastic discussion. I want it because we only have about like 15 minutes left. I, I want to, I know, right. It like flies by. I should probably have a two hour show. Hello. Anyways, but I uh, can always have you back on in the future, but um, cause there's so much to talk about, but I want to get into the Oregon ghost conference, especially this year, because it, it's a little bit different in that it's longer. Cause typically it's over the weekend. I'll let you to talk about that and like how you, I mean, a lot of people that are listening already know, you know, you and your background, but in case there's people that, that don't a little bit about the Oregon ghost conference and, and how you started to get involved with that. I mean, you founded it. So it, it's your whole vision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, actually, William Becker and me started it. It was an idea that we had. That's uh, right. That's right. Um, There was some other smaller paranormal um, events that happened in the Portland area that were kind of um, year after year and hit miss. And and um, what I what I found kind of off putting by some of these paranormal events that I was going to. And this is, you know, 10 years ago. um, It was the same core group of people. Yeah, I, I, and that's not bad, but I was saying, okay, if you have a convention or a get together of the same paranormal people um, and it doesn't grow and it doesn't invite the general public to it, then how does that, um, how does that build a community? Right. Right. So they, right. Were very, they were very small events and I was going mainly to kind of promote the tours and things I was doing. Um, you know, and if you buy a booth space at an event, you go there and, and you don't have a public audience, then there's not really a, a reason to continue that. And so, you know, the events were very small and I really enjoyed them. But at a certain point, I said, you know, these events should be bringing in the public because to me, there's people, as you know, that are, are so into the paranormal that want to do the, the investigations that want to do um, the tours. There's some people that just don't know anything about it and maybe just want to get um, a, um, a, a reading, you know, right. um, a psychic reading or just want to maybe question or, or just come and listen to something. And, 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 and so to me, um, those events had ended and I said, well, you know, if we, we should start, you know, William and me talked about it. And um, eventually um, we said, well, let's do it. Um, and of course we started it in Oregon city because it was a way to bring people into Oregon city and talk about the history that I had worked with, with the house, um, Irma Tinger house. Um, but honestly, after the three or four years in Oregon city, it was, it got too big. Um, and 
the the um, fourth year we had to move it into the old high school in Oregon City, which is one of the bigger buildings in the city, um, vacated high school that is also haunted. Um, and it was great in terms of a cool haunted place. But, you know, when you're doing an event, you have to rent chairs and tables and furniture and you have to think about internet and Wi-Fi. And that's not something that's doable in a in a abandoned high school. Um, and so it cost a huge amount of money. And I was scared because I was like, I don't know what we're going to do because I do not want this event to die. And I want it to continue and grow because it was so, it was getting very successful. And honestly, that same week of the ghost conference at the high school where I was thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I got a phone call from Gretchen um, in Seaside um, and she just retired this year. Um, amazing lady works for the city of Seaside in the convention center just retired she called she found our event online and she said to me you need to bring your event to Seaside I had never thought about bringing it to Seaside I had I said you know um, how about this I'll come out to Seaside and you tell me you show me what you have to offer you take me around you tell me what you think and I did and and um we've been in seaside ever since and and you know unfortunately um they we were outgrowing the seaside convention center and then they said well that's okay we're doing an expansion and we thought well great the expansion's going to be done and we're going to get to have this great event and then um you know we had the pandemic and so started and we had to cancel uh the 2020 event we never dreamed. I mean, we canceled the 2020 event, you know, two weeks before the event um, because the governor, you know, shut everything down. We never thought in, we would be canceling a second ghost conference ever. We never. I thought. know. I know. Right. I mean, it's um, unbelievable. It was not something we even imagined. And, and so we're doing it mostly online. I'm going to be in Seaside myself. I'm going to be doing ghost tours um, on the, uh, 25th, 26th, 27th in Seaside, Oregon. Um, so I'll be doing ghost tours nightly on that weekend. Um, Jeff Davis is going to do a tour in Astoria on Sunday, um, the 28th. But everything else is going to be pretty much online. I, I think some people will be in Seaside just to go to Seaside and, and be there for spring break. And, and so we'll have, you know, definitely um, be hanging out at the bridge tender a little bit and going to some places. But most everything will be online. Um, and my hope is that that at least keeps the interest in our event up enough um, that we can go back next year and really have, I hope next year, <laughs> I hope next year. We oh, I know. Right. I mean, I, I imagine it, it will. I imagine it will. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I, I think 2015 was when I first went to the Oregon and that was the last, I think, year that was at the old high school. So right. I've been able to go to Seaside at what three times now? I mean, Seaside's fantastic. It, it it really is the perfect venue for it, and uh, I'm just so excited. I know things are virtual, but that's okay. I mean, it, the conference is so well done, and like you said, it just attracts so many different people that are kind of on different levels and and have different interests, and that's what makes it such a great conference. So, well, I appreciate that. That's a huge compliment. Well, yeah. I will um, be, um, I, I've been watching some of your past interviews because, um, and I think one of the best compliments, I think I, I watched 
um, Pete and uh, you've interviewed, you know, several other interviews. Um, and almost every interview, you start off by introducing the guests and saying, I met them at the Oregon Ghost Conference. Right? I know. It's like, I know there's... I mean, that can't be a bigger compliment than that. Um, and yeah, you know, when you plan an event, you don't realize the effect that it has on people. You right. Know, right. To some degree. But when, when, when st- things like that happen and you realize, okay, these partnerships or friendships that are grown and the community that has been built on the West coast in the paranormal um, is mostly because of this event. And that was not something that I ever really thought would happen to the level that it did. Um, and I think I'm shocked by that every time someone says something to me that, you know, and it happens quite a bit where someone says, well, you know, I met this person at the Oregon ghost conference and it, it changed my life. Um, that yeah. I never anticipated, um, you know, um, to that level. And so I, I, I'm so thankful. And, and I think that's what makes it so hard that we've had to miss out um, the last, you know, two years or those last year or more. Um, and we so desperately want to get back to connect with each other because even like me and you, we, we've talked such a short amount of time. When we first met in Oregon City, it was like, oh my gosh, I've met my best friend. And now, you know, it's like, when was the last time I even talked to her? I know, I know. And it's like, you're so busy. It's like, it's like what I said at the beginning, like, oh, hey, yeah, nice to see you. And then the whole weekend goes by. All right, see you next year. It's like, what? What? what what's that? What's that all about? You know, I mean, it's crazy, so, but yeah. yeah, it's. We'll have to, we'll have to figure that out. Definitely. And, and maybe potentially plan something on the Queen Mary would maybe be good. I, uh, oh my gosh. You know that I would love that. I mean, that, that might be definitely doable. It would be a big process, but it would definitely be doable. But yeah, there's so many great people up in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've forged many friendships up there and, and it's really great. So really excited for this year. And I, you know, uh, Jeff Davis asked me to be part of the, the yes. uh, penning, uh, what is it called? Oh my God. Hello. I'm blanking on yeah. exactly penning what it's called. Penning the paranormal. Penning the paranormal. Yeah. How fun is that? That's going to be it's great. Be awesome. And yeah, so, you know, we're going to, we're offering some free events because, you know, we, we just mm-hmm. wanted this year to be a fun, there's some paid events, but um, the, the author panel or the author reading um, is going to be amazing. Lloyd Arbach is going to be a part of it. Ross Allison from Seattle, um, Jeff Bellinger. Uh, yes, um, you're going to be on it. Um, it's just going to be awesome, and that's on Friday, March 26th, um, seven o'clock um, over Zoom. Um, we have, um, gosh, we have um, about 15 classes, you know, throughout the the whole um, time period, the weekend. That's um, amazing. On the weekend, and we have you know over twenty some different events going on. Um, so they just need to go to OregonGhostConference.com and check out all the events that are happening. Really, we're going to kick off um, what we're saying as Ghost Week um, on uh, the twenty first, so Sunday night, this Sunday night, and um, we're going to have a share and scare, which is basically going to be kind of what we did tonight. Um, it's like okay we haven't seen these people forever so we're just gonna all gather on zoom for a free event and we're gonna have fun and we're gonna tell stories and we're gonna update people with different projects that people have been working on um because we haven't been able to see anybody and so that'll be kind of the kickoff and then we'll have 
different events pretty much every night going into the weekend of what was actually going to be the ghost conference, the 26th through the 28th. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of events going on. So awesome. I'm so excited. So um, super, super excited. So how can people reach you? Because you have a couple of Facebook pages. I don't use Twitter. I'm so bad with Twitter. Oh, my goodness. But you have Twitter as well. So like, how can people reach you if they want to get a hold of you? Well, so OregonGhostConference.com um, and then we have Oregon Ghost Conference Facebook, um, Northwest Ghost Tours, NW Ghost Tours um, on Facebook. Um, I have um, NorthwestGhostTours.com. Um, my contact information is pretty easily found on there. Yeah, it's a great website. I was just on the OregonGhostConference.com website today. So there's a lot of great information on there. Not a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I can't thank you for taking the time because I know how busy you are to come on and and chat for this little hour that flies by super fast. But (laughs) we'll get you back on because there's so many other, you know, avenues we can go. So we'll get you back on in the future. And I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone, um, even though it's via zoom or virtual hopefully next year i'll be be able to come out to seaside but uh i hope so because yeah the other challenge is you know we were kind of nearing our 10th anniversary and we're like well when you don't have a year how do you add that into the number and we were gearing up for a big 10-year bash and now we're like well do we do that next year do we do that we don't we got to figure it out that's kind of why i said we're going to call this ghost week um because I'm trying to figure out how to deal with the 10 year anniversary because I didn't want to have the 10 year anniversary be virtual and we don't know about next year. So, cause we're at our, you know, we're pretty much at our 10 year mark. So um, we want to have a big celebration for that and, and kind of focus on the history of the last 10 years of this event. And that needs to be done when we're all in person. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. Oh, my goodness. Such great stuff tonight. Great conversation. Thank you again, Rocky, for coming on the show. And like I said, we'll get you back or uh, booked in the near future. And I look forward to seeing you Sunday night and uh, seeing how all the events go for Ghost Week. So it's going to be great. So thank you again for uh, joining me tonight. And let's see, going to pull up my calendar. Of course, yes. Next week, I have Lisa Theriault. She's a podcaster, a Supernatural Pet Sightings podcast. So uh, she actually had me on her show. Really great lady. So we'll be talking a little bit about animal spirits, a little bit about her podcast and some of her experiences. So that's next week. And again, thank you to tonight's guest. Fabulous discussion. And as always, here at the Afterlife Chronicles, we are bridging the gap between mortality and the afterlife one experience at a time. Thank you so much, 